welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. seeing some wonderful songs this morning about our Saviour, about Jesus and um, you know he came to earth and the first things that he said as part of his ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is coming among you. Repent for the kingdom of God is coming among you and as he walked on the earth that was his continual message Uh, of repentance and the kingdom, the kingdom coming. And we're going to look today at Matthew chapter 11. Um, We're going to focus on verses 20 to 20 to 30, um, and particularly the end of the chapter. Um, This phrase just kept jumping out at me, you rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. And... uh, You know, I think for many of us, you know, it's just as I sit with people, as I listen to people, there's, there can be a sense of weariness. There's a sense of life's heavy, life's busy, life's full. But not necessarily in a good sense, in a wearying sense. And yet Jesus said that there can be a place where there is rest for our souls. And so I want you to, to, to join with me today in, in exploring what that might look like and how do we get to a place where we have rest for our souls. You know, Matthew chapter 11, the, the background to this chapter is uh, early in the chapter, John the Baptist is in prison and he sends to Jesus saying, um, are you the one that we expected or is it somebody else? He'd been separated from Jesus. And, and so Jesus uh, said to the disciples, go and tell him of all the miracles that I've been doing. You know, that the, the deaf hear, the blind see, the, the dead are raised, the oppressed are set free. Um, and so this is the background then to verse 20. It says... Then he, that is Jesus, then Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. I've got to tell you the truth. I didn't plan to start on those verses. I was going to start on the verses kind of further on about the rest bit because I kind of thought that, you know, that was good. But I really felt God had me start here. You know, it would be easy to look out down on these cities and down on these people for failing to repent, given that the, the amazing works that Jesus had done in them. In fact, Jesus said that the worst of the worst being Sodom, in Old Testament times and Tyre and Sidon in Jesus' day, they were considered culturally, societally, the worst 
places possible, with the worst people possible. And yet Jesus said that had they witnessed the mighty works that Jesus had done, they would have repented. They would have repented. Your know, repentance is an amazing gift. It's, it's the grace that God gives to turn from sin and our own ways and to turn to live in the freedom and the life of God's ways. It always requires both. Repentance requires a turning from and a turning towards God, leaving the sinful to embrace the life that's available in Christ. And we could look at these people and think, wow, look at them. But what about us? Are the mighty works that Jesus has done in us and for us in salvation causing us to live in an ongoing state of repentance? Where's our heart? Hebrews 2 and verses 1 to 4 says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such great a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You know, we have had 2,000 years of witness and testimony. Jesus' testimony of his own life, the disciples' testimonies of what they saw, the record of scripture, the work of the Holy Spirit. But I wonder, is it possible that we drift away and neglect such great a salvation. Let's go back to our text in Matthew 11. We'll read verses 25 to 27. Jesus declared, I thank Lord of heaven and earth that you have been the wise and understanding and revealed or the childlike. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You know, in these verses, Jesus addresses his Father as both Father and Lord. Father, the one who makes provision and cares, but also Lord who is sovereign and has the authority. You know, it's important that like Jesus, we know God as both Father and Lord if we're to understand the relationship that he is calling us to. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, because whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Must believe that he exists is more than just believing that there is a God. It's accepting God's revelation of who he says he is. And only in truly knowing God as both our Father and Lord will we engage with him with appropriate faith and expectation. Verse 
So having set the scene, Jesus then comes to these verses, and they're probably the best-known part of this passage of Scripture, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, so often this is taken, this verse is taken as a standalone promise without engaging in the process that Jesus clearly lays out in the following verses for its fulfilment. These verses together are a template for living out our ongoing relationship with our Father God, the one Jesus chooses to reveal to us. It's a template for outworking the great salvation Jesus has made available through his death and resurrection. So who labours and is heavy laden? Because they're the ones that Jesus is calling to himself. Sadly, now it's the whole of humanity. But you know, it wasn't always so. In Genesis, we read the account of God creating a man and woman and placing them in a garden which was part of his kingdom to tend it and to live in its fruitfulness. They were his subjects. They were created to live as citizens of his kingdom, living in the freedom of his provision and his protection. And he didn't need to lord it over them. He came and walked and talked with them in the cool of the evening. He lived in relationship with the people he created. He cared for them. He made provision. He offered relationship while also giving boundaries in which the man and woman were to live. He revealed himself as both father and Lord right from the beginning of creation. However, that situation for the man and woman changed when they chose to live outside of God's protection and deceived by the very angel who'd led a rebellion against God, Satan, the woman disobeyed God's command and sin entered the world. Sin at its root and in all its manifestations incites rebellion against God by offering a life apart from God's will and purposes. You know, people were not created for that and sin is a cruel taskmaster. Satan, the devil, hates God and he hates the people that God has created. His purpose has always been to deceive, to incite fear, to steal, to kill, to destroy. People are the objects of revenge against God. And sin involves slavery. It involves hard labour. It involves heavy burdens. We see this picture in Old Testament Israel. In Exodus chapter 2, and verses 23 to 25, it says... During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning 
And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. You know, the children of Israel had gone into Egypt because there was famine in the land and there was food in Israel and, and uh, in Egypt and God had made provision through sending Joseph ahead of time so that provision was made for them but in the passage of time the relationship changed and now the children of Israel had grown numerous they were mighty but they were also slaves and they groaned because of their slavery they cried out for help they cried for rescue from slavery I love verse 24. I love the emphasis that it puts. God heard. God remembered. God saw. God knew. There was only one person who was able to change their situation. And it was God. In Hebrews 2 and verses 14 and 15 it says... Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This is the human condition. Lifelong slavery to sin and death unless there's a rescue unless there's a rescuer. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. to our text <clears throat> come to me all you who labor and heavy labor take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so here's the invitation come to him for rest from sin and it's lifelong slavery, the labour and the heavy burden. You know, God's provision as a good father is that he's done for us in Jesus' sacrifice, the very sacrifice we've been singing about this morning. He's done what we couldn't do for ourselves. We cannot rescue ourselves from sin. We are unable to deal with sin in and of ourselves. It is only in Jesus. In Exodus, God heard, he remembered, he saw, he knew. He's the same today. He's the same today. When he hears the groaning of, regarding sin, the slavery, the cry for help, he will respond just as he did in the Exodus. You know, he rescued the nation of Israel out of slavery and bondage. He invited them back into relationship with him to be their God and for them to be his people, his chosen people. And he desired to lead them into a life of provision and grace through dependence on him. This is the Old Testament picture of salvation. 
And the people of Israel lived happily ever after with God. Or not. <laughs> I mean, it would have been good. But, you know, it didn't work out like that, did it? Israel disobeyed God and they failed to enter in to the rest that God had promised. The invitation alone is not enough to enter into God's rest. Now hear me, I'm not saying Jesus is not enough, but the invitation to come to him is not enough because there needs to be a response. And the response that Jesus says is required to be able to enter into this rest is to take his yoke upon you. Take his yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is um, something that is made of wood and was designed to, uh, was used to attach animals together so that together they could pull a load. You know, the response that God requires from us is to take Jesus' yoke upon us. Notice he doesn't put it on us. We have to choose to put it on. We have to choose to take his yoke, to willingly accept God's sovereignty and lordship over our life. For Jesus is both saviour and lord. Saviour and lord are not two separate people. They're not two separate roles. Jesus is both saviour and lord. And to enter into relationship with him, to come to him and to enter his rest requires that we willingly take on that yoke. What does it look like to live yoked, uh, yoked to Jesus for life? There are a myriad of scriptures that we could turn to. But I'm actually going to turn to an Old Testament scripture which I think describes so well what this yoked life looks like. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. It's probably familiar to many of you. It was the first scripture I ever memorized as a, a new Christian over 40 years ago. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You know, trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not lean on our own understanding. We can't do both. We can't do both. But if we're going to be yoked with him, then it is a relationship of trust because he is going to be the one leading. He is the one who's going to be the one guiding. We're not going to take our own path any longer. We're no longer going to lean on our own understanding. We're not going to be wise in our own eyes, but rather fear God and turn away from evil. It says it will be healing for our flesh and refreshment or rest to our bones. So we come and we take his yoke. And then what happens? 
Well, he says that the means is to learn from Jesus. Learn from the one who is gentle and lowly in heart, the one whose life is characterised by humility and submission and to surrender to his father's will and ways. These are really important attitudes that are required for us to engage with our Father God. You know, Jesus, Jesus has shown us how to live like this way. And now he lives in us to outwork this God life in us by being yoked with him. You know, the yoke and the cross, they're both made of wood and they both have to be taken up daily. It's not something that we do one day and it's all over. This is a daily taking up, a daily being willing to surrender, a, day, a daily being willing to walk with him and to let him lead us. You know, Jesus' gift of salvation does not free us to live life our way. It frees us from the kingdom of darkness. It frees us from Satan. It frees us from slavery to sin. And it transfers us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to live under his rule and his provision and his protection. There is no kingdom of self. That's a lie from the devil. There are two kingdoms. God's and Satan's. The kingdom of self is part of Satan's kingdom. We're not freed to live life however we want it. We lived life the way we wanted to when we were in the kingdom of darkness, when we were enslaved to sin. But the gift that we're given in the salvation of Jesus Christ is the opportunity to come free from sin and to actually live the life that God always created us for. To live under his care and protection and provision, but to live under his sovereignty and authority so that we will live according to his will and his ways. What happens if we live like that? says you will find rest for your souls you will find rest for your souls you know, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 9 to 16 God tells us more about what this rest looks like it says so the rest for the people of God for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his Coming into salvation means that we give up our own works, our own ways, our own way of doing life. And the rest for our soul comes in that we are yoked with somebody who knows exactly how to lead us throughout every circumstance of our day, every relationship, to be able to remain at rest. Rest doesn't mean that we're sitting doing nothing. The very thought of a yoke, you don't put a yoke on an animal for it just to sit there and do nothing. Uh, a yoke is something that is used with the purpose of entering into activity, but it's the guided activity. 
And so this is, this is exactly what we're here, um, we read of here. We enter God's rest when we rest from our works. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's speaking of the children of Israel in the Old Testament who didn't enter the rest because they were disobedient to God. For the word of God is living and active. The word of God is Jesus Christ. He's alive. And he's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That could be a fearful thing if we had to give account for our own works, for our own actions. But when we're yoked with Jesus, there's no fear in giving an account. There's no fear of being naked and exposed before God. He knows it all anyway. What it does is it gives the Spirit of God, the Word of God, permission to continue to work in our lives, just as Vicky spoke of earlier, that she's been walking with the Lord for over 20 years now and daily is continuing to be transformed and conformed into the image of his son. This is the invitation to enter into a daily, moment-by-moment relationship whereby we are continually conformed we in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come in full confidence, other translations say boldly, before the throne of grace, the throne of mercy, to receive exactly what we need. Again, is that invitation. We align every aspect of our life with whatever we need from God to see that happen. Thanks. You know, that as I was just preparing, there was an old, of an old song um, came. Some of you may know it. I'm not going to sing it. I'll just tell you the words. Um, it says, you know, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Really simple. In fact, you know, Jesus said that everything that he taught could be received by children. I love it that we have those who are loving God by serving the children in our ministry here, as, as Vicky has shared. It's not babysitting. It's not just somewhere for them to go so that parents can be here in the service. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me because of such is the kingdom of heaven. There is an openness there's a simplicity 
a childlike faith that Jesus says we actually need to get back to, that simply trusts him, takes him at his word and obeys what he says. So my question for us today is, where are we on that journey? Where are you on that journey? Have you heard the invitation to come to Jesus for forgiveness of your sins, to be rescued from the slavery of sin, to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness? If you've heard that invitation today for the first time, you can come. You can come. If you've heard it before and you've responded, then have you taken the steps that Jesus has laid out? Have you willingly taken on Jesus' yoke in every area of your life? Are you moment by moment learning from Him? Is your life characterised by the gentleness, the humility, the surrender of Jesus, letting God's ways be the most important in your life? Are you living in the rest that comes from ceasing from your own works and instead joining Jesus in what he is doing as your yoke to him? He says that that yoke is easy and that burden is light. You know, if there are areas in your life that don't feel like that, Check whether you're yoked to Jesus doing his will. Because if you are, then it isn't heavy. It's not burdensome. There is no rest in doing our own thing. There's only rest in submitting to the love and grace of God. And if we're not already, Is there a place for us to more consciously live in this life of salvation? That we wouldn't be forgetful hearers. That we wouldn't neglect so great a salvation. Because he makes the way clear. Repent and come and be part of the kingdom of God. We come boldly as a son or daughter of God to his throne of grace to receive whatever we need. Forgiveness for our sin, His strength, His grace, His love, His mercy. We're called to live in His kingdom and to experience the rest and joy of that in our own life. But even more than that, you know, God's message of salvation, yes, is for us, each one as an individual. But there is a world around us that is laboring and heavily burdened by sin, enslaved by sin. And what we are letting God do in us and what is already done in us, we need to let it outflow into the world. We need to take out the good news that there is a rescuer who can rescue from sin who can deliver from the kingdom of darkness and bring people into the rest of the kingdom of God. 
I'm going to invite us to close our eyes. I know that was a lot of questions. But I know too that the Spirit of God knows exactly what each one of us needed to hear. What question specifically he's asking of us. As Kyle just plays quietly, I'm just I just want us to sit with our Father God. To come to him. To repent if we need to. To cry out for rescue if we need to. To seek deliverance if we need to. To learn of him. Ask him about the specific situation that is troubling you, that is burdening. Come with an attitude of humility. Trusting in what he says above what you think. Let him make a way where there seems to be no way. And let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding find a place in our hearts and minds this morning. Find a place in our body. where we are on our walk in this journey of salvation there's always that place to submit to surrender to allow God to be God we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.